SI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, Season 3, Episode 36, my interview with Dustin Daniels on the podcast today. Now I'm full of guilt and shame. I can't point a finger cause there's no one to blame. So I'll say I'll never do it again. But when the sun goes down, you are my only friend. I think that I am starting to see. I have become everything I never wanted to be. I'm really getting sick of myself. Valentine's Day message <laughs> before the interview, kind of a lead-in that I wanted to do here before I get into the interview, which is going to be awesome. Uh, I have a friend of mine who doesn't believe in Valentine's Day, right? He's married, and he, you know, it's like a Hallmark holiday. My friend John Gayton, he's been a guest guest on the show before. If you want to look him up, uh, but. Yeah, that's kind of his deal. Like, if you just treat your wife right, you don't have to do it one day a year. He's like, I reject it. I, I don't reject it. I think it's fun to just celebrate, hey, buy a Valentine's, right? It's a Hallmark holiday, but whatever. It's just a good time to to give your, your wife, your girlfriend, um, the stuff that she didn't get for Christmas, right? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so uh, with that in mind... This, this is uh, kind of Valentine's Day part two. I recorded this last week, so it's <laughs> to make it mesh, I will go with my friend John's philosophy that uh, we should be mindful of Valentine's Day. So like my friend John says, if we could just treat our loved ones like every day was Valentine's Day, um, we'd probably have a, a better relationship and a happier life, right? Getting into the Valentine's Day show part two. See, I just, I recorded this. I just didn't put it up last week. So I'm, I'm cleverly trying to tie in uh, material I didn't use last week on the show in this show here. So that's what's going on. Anyhow, uh, if you want to download any of the music that you hear on the podcast, ASI247.org, click on the music tab and you can hear the tunes right there in their entirety. A little Papa Roach on the podcast today, jamming with, uh, that song's called Be Free. Uh, My name is Russ Shaw. Again, the website is ASI247.org. Russ at ASI247.org. If you'd like to email the host and talk to me, your uh, podcast specialist, I don't don't even know where that came from. Am I a podcast specialist? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You don't know. I have a guest on the show today. His name is Dustin Daniels. This cat is a radio personality in the Phoenix area. Um, He started his career as a radio personality when he was 22. The guy has, like, raced motorcycles. Um, He had his own production company where he... uh, Worked in television, audio, video, that kind of thing. Um, Dustin Daniels had a had a also 
sexual addiction that led to uh, emptiness and this debilitating depression. And we're going to talk to him, and he's going to talk about how he saw uh, the light at the end of the tunnel to see his way out of that um, very debilitating sexual addiction. Uh, love this man. Uh, we're going to get into that straight away. But first, uh, a few announcements. I've had some feed problems with the podcast. So my uh, I, I used an editor, right, to do my podcast for years. Um, the, the feed, the ASI feed, like I haven't taken any shows down. Um, so there's there's three years, eight years worth of, worth of shows, three seasons. Uh, and just like technology happens to do, the, the feed itself got old. So <laughs> it had some code in it that was old. Um, the company that made the editor that I used to, to, to write the feed, the RSS feed for the podcast is gone. Like they went out of business. They don't exist anymore. So I had to go through and like line by line, 5,000 some odd lines of code and, and remove the bad stuff. And that, uh, Yes, that was problematic, and, and you may have noticed that. Um, if, if you didn't see the, if you're on iTunes and you didn't see the feed or you didn't see the show um, come up new, uh, it's there now. So there might be some shows you missed <laughs> during this this time of technical difficulties. Uh, but that's up and working again. Um, donations. Thanks again, folks that do donate to the podcast. You can do that at the at the website again, asi247.org. Um, just giving to keep this thing alive and afloat, man. It it, uh, it, it, it I can't tell you how thankful I am that people actually listen and then donate to keep this message alive and and going. Um, so thank you again for that. And if anything has made an impact on your life that you've heard here um, and you want to maybe do something that's bigger than yourself, uh, again, donate, man. That's, that's, I don't do ads. I don't, I don't have uh, sponsors to the show. Um, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. I am now in the TuneIn app. So some of you guys who may upgrade your phones and get out of the iPhone thing or you know, you get a smartphone or whatever, uh, and you're in the Android market. I'm on Stitcher Radio. Um, just search for ASI uh, or my name, Russ Shaw. Uh, also, the TuneIn app. Now, the TuneIn app will add ads into the podcast that I don't get any money for. So, just so you know, <laughs> that's not me uh, selling out. All right. I just don't. I just don't do that. This this thing is kept alive by people who are impacted by the message. So that's I don't know. That's just a little something extra. I don't. I don't know what what that means. But it's it's generosity that keeps this thing alive. It's a little different than than the regular economy for most podcasts. I can't thank you enough. Those of you who donate, um, you don't know how important that is. Things have been tight. Things have been breaking down. It's not just the feed, <laughs> like the cars, the washing machine, the dryer. Oh, man, I tell you what, this new year, I decided to write a book, right? Like, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to put a deadline on it. I got an accountability partner. He's helping me, coach me, right, so I don't get too distracted because me, right, I've been trying to write this book for years, and now I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to write this book, and then boom, right? 
car breaks down, my van's leaking fluid again, radiator fluid. I just changed the radiator six months ago. Uh, the dryer breaks down. I can't dry clothes. Oh, man, the, the, the screen door just the other day as I'm fixing the dryer and my wife's car breaks down, like her fan blower motor. We're in Seattle. If you can't blow the steam off your windshield, you can't even drive your car around here. So that happened too. All this stuff happened in one month, and it's, it's just about breaking me, not just financially, but <laughs> just testing my, testing my stress level, man, stress. So again, thank you. Those of you who donate, man, I appreciate it more than you know. Uh, one more thing. Those of you guys who are married, I'm going to talk to the guy. I know there's ladies listening to, all right. I know you're out there. Chill a second, all right. I'm a, I want to talk to the guys a moment, especially you married guys. Guys with a girlfriend. I, I don't know. Wherever you're at, five questions. This is uh, from the resurgence blog. I didn't write this, but I thought it was brilliant. I wanted to share it before I get into the interview. Five questions ask your woman. All right, guys? You ready? Perry Noble is the guy that wrote this. Uh, again, the resurgence.com. Five questions every husband should ask his wife is what it's titled. Uh, and, and listen, um, also, I wanted to address something before I get into these questions. Something that um, I, I did this interview this morning. Um, I'm, I'm adding this later. We talked about Dustin's story, and I said some stuff about. We both said some stuff about getting married young. Um, I want to clarify some of that because in our culture, we see a lot of this. Oh, if you get married young, that's a mistake. Um, I don't agree with that. Um, I, I believe that we should be mature. Um, Dustin would agree with that too, that it's not, it's not necessarily that he got married young. It's that he would just, who he was at the time, um, the maturity of, of himself and his wife at the time and, and the, what that, how that all played out. And that comes out in the interview and it's pretty fascinating, but I wanted to just address that, that, you know, I mean, this one of the things that's biblical, as something in the Bible, they talk about um, loving and enjoying the wife of your youth. Uh, the Song of Songs is a very sexually explicit part of the Bible, and and you know just talking about their youth, but but not awakening love before its time. So when I, when we talk about that, I just wanted to kind of clarify that. I'll, I'll tell you something else. Um, my wife and I will be. Celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary next month here at the end of March, uh, silver anniversary, which is strange because I'm I'm 45. All right, I got married at 20 years old. Was it bliss and and sex all the time and just awesome? Man, it, it was hard. All right, and the fact that I'm still married is to the grace of God and, and to the grace of of my wife. I, I don't deserve to be married to, to this woman. I, I love her immensely, but the fact that I'm still married is not a credit to me as a wonderful husband, all right? Just, just to kind of clear that up. But at the same time, um, yeah, man, we got married young, and, that, and that's okay, all right? 
I encourage getting married young, especially for men, because as you get older, men just tend to get more selfish. Um, it's funny, our pastor said, Pastor Mark at the church I go to, um, he said that men, you know, men and women who are single, single women tend to age like a wine, like a, like a fine wine, right? Where single men tend to age like a, like a carton of milk. Right? But most guys, right, we get older and we get single and then, you know, the nice way of saying it is to, is to say that, oh, well, he's kind of stuck in his ways, all right? That's just a nice way of saying you're just, you're just selfish, <laughs> growing in selfishness. Uh, don't do that. Like, this is, and this is part of loving another person. It's part of being naked, emotionally naked, with another human being, not just physically naked all the time. People think, oh, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have sex all the time, it's going to be great. That's not reality, alright? Porno movies aren't real. It's not, it's not how women are, alright? Anyway, so here's the five questions. You ready? Question number one. What is the most romantic thing I've ever done for you? All right, guys, you're going to ask that question to your woman. Um, be ready for an answer that you probably won't expect. I didn't expect it when my wife told me. Uh, but anyway, ask that question. It's very revealing. Number two is what is something fun that we could do together? Now, again, going back to being a guy who's set in his ways, right? Think about her, guys, especially like Valentine's Day, I don't know, having a date night. Make it about her. Make her feel important, all right? This is investing your time, your energy, your being into her, all right? This is another way of doing kind of like doing intercourse without getting naked, all right? You're learning more about her by letting her choose something fun to do. I mean, you don't have to go all extreme, but, you know, I don't know, go shopping with her and, and don't roll your eyes the whole time, but, but enjoy her, learn from her. See what she likes, see what she enjoys. Um, I told my son that, my son had a girlfriend and when he was with this girl, I'm like, dude, you should go shopping with her and have some patience, you can learn a lot, all right? I'm not, when I was a young man, I wasn't good at shopping with my wife. If I could go back in time and see Russ Shaw at, at like, you know, 22 and just grab him and shake him, like, love your wife, <laughs> right? Pay attention, knock it off, you know, love her. Now stop being so selfish and, and, and learn here. This is a great learning experience. So number two, uh, what's something fun we could do together and listen and then be open to um, going out with her and doing that, all right? Number three, and this is a great one, what one thing can I do this week that would relieve some stress from your life? Ask her that. Guys, this, and the guy says that in this post. Like, there's a big, there's like paragraphs after each question. I'm not going to read all that stuff, but this is something that he said. I, I totally agree with where he says, uh, you know, our women carry a lot of stress, man. She probably doesn't tell you how stressed out she is. She doesn't want to burden you with that or whatever. I, I don't know your woman, all right, but she carries some stress. And the one thing, what was one thing I could do to help relieve some of that stress from you? 
for me, it's been fixing the dryer, fixing the car, fixing the screen door that fell off the hinges. Right? This has been, it's been my week. Uh, number three. Anyway, number four. How can I pray for you? All right. Now this is for Christian folks, man. If you don't, if you're not ill, God-like and that stuff, don't turn me off here. Have an open mind. But for those of you who are Christians, those of you who are believe in God, believe in Jesus, right? It, ask her, how can I be praying for you this week? What what can I pray for with you? That's a that's a powerful question. Is there something I can be praying for? And I don't know, if you're a religious cat, this might be a, a tough question, but just be sincere. Don't be like all judgy when you say it, right? Like, how can I pray for you? Like, you know, Satan in argument. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying being tender in a time of, of, of right before you go to bed or something when you're both getting along or or something, how can I be praying for you? Or you're leaving for work. How can, I, how can I be praying for you today? That's powerful. Number five is another courageous question. If there's one thing I could change about our marriage, what would it be? All right, this is a tough question. And when it comes to folks who struggle in this area, and if your wife knows you struggle, guys, Chances are it's going to be that you change this. And, and I pray that listening to Dustin's story today, you don't just pay lip service to that. But that you, in hearing his story, man, um, realize that it's going to take some action. It's going to take some scariness. It's going to take taking yourself on a little bit to change this about you. Um, if you're addicted to pornography, if you're if you have cheated, man, you can't turn back the clock. I wish I could. I wish I have, could have turned back the time to change that, but I can't. It's not reality. But I can change the way I love my wife. Dustin's story is is powerful, and it's it's one man's story, and I'm gonna get into it play this interview. I want you to listen to this. And, and as you listen, not making excuses about fighting this thing all by yourself because that does not work. Alright? Um, Dustin's story is powerful and I'm not going to delay it any longer. Here we go. You say I'm going to hell, but I am already dead. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Today on the podcast, I have a guest, Dustin Daniels. I've been wanting to have this guy on the show for quite some time. He's a radio personality down in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, the guy has raced motorcycles for a while. He owned a production company, a video production company, and also suffered from a debilitating sexual addiction. And I'm here to, to, to talk with him and to learn more about who Dustin Daniels is and maybe uh, understand his story a little more and see what we can learn by uh, getting to know Dustin. Dustin, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, Ross. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, on the podcast recently, I've been doing some 
shows on the 12 steps. And I've been kind of a 12-step skeptic for a long time. <laughs> but looking to approach it from a, a more positive uh, perspective, um, I've been doing step eight and talking about step eight. And it's, it talks about making amends and, and what that looks like in our lives for, for the people that we love and really defining love. Um, but I, before I get into that, I, it's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about and maybe massage out a little bit. Um, I wanted to get into your story a little bit. You you got married pretty young, like 22, and you're yeah. a pretty focused guy. You went to college, and you, you get into radio, get into media, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. Went to went to college, got married young. Yeah, my first marriage, got married in college. And uh, man, I tell you, I was I was not in any position to to get married, but we did. And um, so yeah, we we got married in college, and we spent the next couple of years in college, and um, started my career off in radio, like you said. Mm-hmm. So where where did you work uh, first down down in there? Where 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 are you from basically? Is it been around Arizona most of your life or? No, I uh, actually grew up in Indiana, and I went to school. I went to college in Louisiana, um, actually on a water ski scholarship. Believe it or not, they they actually have those things, and that's that's one of the reasons it took me like five and a half years to get through school. But um, was studying media, studying radio throughout all that, and um, when I when we graduated from college, I uh, moved to a, a little place in in Louisiana called Alexandria. And that's kind of where I um, paid my dues as a radio personality there for several years doing um, morning radio, doing night radio, country stations, pop, classic rock. It was all part of uh, the same company there. So, yeah, paid my dues in a little little place called Alexandria, Louisiana, and then moved to Austin, Texas for a little bit, um, and then moved to Houston, was a TV producer in Houston for a little bit, and then uh, ultimately moved out here to Phoenix, where um, my wife and I, not not the same woman that I married when I was 22, but uh, we've been out here in Phoenix now for going on nine years, I think. It's been, wow. So, yeah, we, we love it here in Phoenix. It's, it's great. Um, talk to me about um, your struggle with, with addiction. You've had some uh, substance abuse issues as well as i understand with your story being kind of a rock and roll radio guy for a while (laughs) you know my uh my my biggest thing was always sexual sin that was always my drug of choice and um my story i think resembles a lot of folks that are are silent and a lot of folks that are in the church right now to where they are they're in bondage to pornography and sexual sin because when they were a little kid, I, I found my dad's stash of pornography when I was seven or eight years old. Um, around that same time, I was abused by a babysitter, and and in in that situation, Russ, it was like, man, I it was when I was, when you're that young, I, I knew that something was very wrong that she was doing, but at the same time, I liked it. So I, I, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. And that just escalated into a lot more pornography because 
that's how I detach from the world. That's how I detach from life. Um, unfortunately, I'm uh, I'm a divorced kid, and and I I got to see my dad, who was um, he was an alcoholic, he was a sex addict, and uh, my brother and I got to see him every other weekend. So when we got to see him, it was kind of like going to Disneyland every other weekend. And uh, mom, who I I dearly love, she laid down the law and and she did her best as she could. Um, being a single mom for many years, and, and she got married several times as well. Um, but the pornography, Russ, it just it just escalated out through my uh, my high school years. I went to a Catholic high school. Once I was 18, that's when I went down to to Louisiana to college, and, and really I've I've only visited uh, back home a, a few times. Um, but nobody knew what was going on in my life. Um, through college, that that pornography just kept escalating, man, and, and it just it just was not enough in my life. So that's where I just went crazy with trying to sleep with every woman that I possibly could, and and I always had an agenda, you know. It was always only being nice for one reason, Ross, and that was to fulfill my lust. And once I did that I, I moved on to the to the next person and um so we're talking uh, 10 or 15 years of of addiction at that point um being married at 22 bringing my addiction into that first marriage and that first marriage lasted um 6 years just over 6 years uh and it ended with um me having two affairs because the the addiction and the pornography and bringing the pornography into the marriage, trying to talk my first wife into that, um, it just kept escalating. So I had a couple of affairs, and that ended the marriage. Um, and one of the things I like to tell people, Russ, is that sin makes you stupid. So one of the affairs that I had, man, it was like, well, I guess I, I broke up this woman's marriage. She had a couple children. And, well, I guess the right thing to do is, is to marry this woman, mm-hmm. even though I, we had nothing in common, absolutely right. nothing in common except sex. Um, and she had two kids from her previous marriage and, and all of this stuff, and, and that marriage lasted a whopping five months. And right. uh, it, it ended with domestic abuse with her actually hitting me. And it was just a train wreck. My life was just a complete train wreck, and it sucked. And um, I, I just remember I was in Austin, Texas at this time, and it, it was just the really the – that it was about a year, year and a half. It was the darkest days of my life living there in Austin. I, I couldn't keep a job. I, I was severely depressed. After the, after the divorce you're talking about, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. If I could back up a, a, a minute, Dustin, in your story um, – there are folks listening who may not be like uh, talking about sexual sin and 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 sin and and lust and stuff like that. That's that may be new to them. Um, okay, I've been engaging people on a website called NoFap, which is sort of uh, it, it's a movement. They're called Fapstronauts, which is a, yeah. a bunch of folks, not necessarily um, church related. Actually, the guy that started it is an atheist, but there's 91,000 people that are members of this website that are trying to achieve some kind of 
sexual purity, to, to use that word, and folks who are you know trying to get 90 days because they're seeing that there's more and more news coming out, there's more and more information about how pornography addiction is a debilitating addiction, much like alcoholism, like gambling addiction. And so uh, in some of my prejudices as well in, in, in dealing with sin and um, those kind of uh, what, what, fo- what a lot of folks today would, would see as religious words. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I love what you said about how, you know, I mean, it started with the pornography addiction. And what a lot of folks don't understand, and it's something I like to engage NoFappers on on this website, is that if you're just trying to stop using pornography so that you can be better in bed, aren't you still kind of that vampire person? Because a lot of this has to do with, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, um, a lot of this has to do with the fact that we are afraid of intimacy. Like, oh. I'm afraid to be open. I'm mm-hmm. afraid to be naked. Like I can get naked with, with a woman, right? I mean, that was my story. You're, you're echoing a lot of my story too. You know? mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I can be naked with someone physically, but to be naked with them emotionally, um, uh, to have someone know me, right? Uh, that Absolutely. Was but I but I still had that hunger and thirst to be naked, to to approach someone, um, to 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 be loved. Really, is is what the center of it is, isn't it? It is. It is. And the the whole idea of um this this intimacy that we all desire, and yet at at the same time, when I was when I was completely fascinated with women and with sleeping with as many people as I could and, and all this pornography, it was it was the most um, frustrating part of my life because it wasn't working. This idea right. of, well, wait a second, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, I, that word intimacy, it didn't even resonate until, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. But you're, you're so right because this idea of wanting to be intimate with someone um, really has very little to do with the physical nature of um, of sex. It is it's kind of taking off your your mask, so to speak, and allowing someone in. Uh, but we're too afraid of that, Russ. I mean, there's yeah. we have this we have this thing called shame, and and there's shame drives our our lack of intimacy. Um, to, to really open up to, to someone and go, you know what, I've, I've got this problem. I don't know how to explain it. I don't get it. I don't want to talk about it, but I, I just can't stop looking at pornography, and I don't know why. The this, this sex thing used to be really fun. Now it's not fun anymore, you know? So um, the, the intimacy that we all long for is, is truly more of a communication um, issue than it is a sex issue. It is, and it's uh, going back to kind of the some of the the twelve step um, discipline, if you want to call it that, and this this kind of making amends with other people. It's also has to do with with our relationship with our Creator, and I'm going to use that word, and some people might not like that, and you know I don't want to be all uh, uh, wagging the finger of shame in anyone's face. That's really not what the gospel's about, and that's something I had to learn too. Like, I'm not a higher power guy that much, Dustin, because I learned mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just like random uh, religion. Just just pick something 
and then and then worship that and that should you know be your higher power well that didn't make a lot of sense to me rationally <laughs> but the gospel did and once i started to you know i looked at other world religions i looked at islam i read the quran some of that and and buddhism and all these other kind of spiritual disciplines and coming back to the bible i'm i'm a very reluctant christian i guess i could say dustin i grew up in a, i grew up with a lot of the church my mom took me to church every so often and and my my dad didn't really want to be involved in that, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I I remember growing up in church and going to Sunday school and just learning a lot of really bad stuff. Like mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about with with uh, sexual abuse. I went through that as well by another kid in the neighborhood, not really a babysitter, just a kid in the neighborhood, older boy um, who molested me and some other kids in the neighborhood. One of the ways he kept me quiet was to say. Um, if they knew who you are, Russ, like if you're gonna, you're going to go tell, like if anybody finds out about this, they're going to mm-hmm. know how dirty you are. They're going to know how dirty you are, and they're not going to love you. Like if you tell anybody, you'll be exposed because you liked it. I mean, that's part of sexual abuse. It's something that that the sick thing that happens in us is our our flesh and our spirit. Like our spirit is going something very wrong is happening to me, but at the same time. We're getting it aroused, right? We're getting an erection, so I must be, yep. mm-hmm. I must like it, right? And that's what, and that's what I learned at church. And this is just what, when I grew up with this kind of shame-based, you know, works-based kind of religion was was the same thing that that I mean, I was afraid of God because I thought that he, well, if he sees everything I'm doing, he knows this stuff. Then how could he possibly love me? I mean, I'd never heard about grace. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, right, right, right. And it is just, uh, so our relation, your relationship with God, that really had something to do with this, right? I mean, you you had some sort of semblance of who God was. Yeah, growing a Catholic, um, how did that play out in your story? I mean, you know, I, I, met, I meet very few people who just kind of fix themselves on their own. There has to be, there's usually some kind of a an impact. There's some kind of a collision, a heart level collision with the creator of the universe. Is there? <laughs> oh man, I love that word collision because he just wipes <laughs> me out, man. It's like a bus just ran over me. No, I mean it's it's. You get to the point of your life. What what I did, Russ, is I uh, I married the affair that lasted five months. It it ended in a, a physical assault to where she hits me. The cops come. There's lots of drama, and I'm looking uh, at my life. I'm completely depressed. And at this this point in my life, all I can do is either either think about sex or think about killing myself, because yeah. because my depression is so bad. So and that that went on for. Uh, well over a year and as as I went through my second divorce before the age of 30 I kind of looked at my life and went wow this sucks I I can't keep a job because all I want to do is sleep all I'd think about is sex or killing myself I'm a complete loser and it, it was like for the first time Russ I was able to go I I don't really want to live this way anymore this this sex thing, this pornography thing is not fun anymore. It's actually ruining my life. So who do I talk to about this? Because I don't have any friends either. <laughs> and that, you know, grow, growing up Catholic, um, I, I, and, and the, this whole idea of 
of Catholicism. I have a lot of Catholic friends, and my this is my story within that is I just didn't I knew the routine, but I just didn't know Jesus. So as I wanted to learn more about how to fix my life, I started going back to church. I didn't go back to, to Catholic church. I just went to um, uh, it was either a Methodist church or something like that. And I started slowly getting back into church going, hmm, I'm, I'm really hoping that, they're, that God, that you're real. Because if you're right. real, I really need you right now because my life sucks. And right. it, it was just a real slow progression. And it took years, Russ. It took years for, for me to see the grace that, oh, my gosh, God, you seriously – you really do love me after everything that I've done? Are you kidding me? How How is that even possible? And right. so my this whole idea of grace and understanding that, that, that God, that Jesus himself loves me, even though I, I did everything that I did, it just took years for me to, for, for that to process. And it was within a group of people who understand um, pornography. It was within the church themselves. They didn't judge me to go in there and for me to kind of get involved in, in a small group and what's called a small group and go, look, I need some help. And just to have that conversation start there. So it was really my journey started in, in, in wholeness and health inside uh, the body of a, a local church. Right. That's part of, you know, getting open too. you know, it's a, at our church, we have uh, community groups. And we we meet once a week, and it's and it's not like a recovery group. Like I went through drugs and alcohol abuse, and and part of my story, I, I drank myself to death when I was 16 years old. I actually died for two minutes. I felt kind of ripped off because I didn't have my my near death experience. Right? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that whole day. You know, you hear that movie with the little boy who went to heaven. Like I never got that. I I might have went You're to right. the other. Right, I just don't remember. So, wow. but I, but I, I, uh, I broke into my stepfather's house. I stole a bunch of booze. I drank a half gallon of rum. They pumped my stomach three times, and and the and the state didn't press charge. He didn't press charges. My stepfather, my ex stepfather, uh, my mom had divorced him. But by the grace of God and by His graciousness, he figured I'd kind of learn my lesson. Right, mm-hmm. um, the state of Washington forced me into recovery. Um, program. It was either that or jail. So that's right. where I first became familiar with the 12 steps and getting into group. And for me, I just thought, saw the whole thing as, as sad. You know, I just folded my arms and sat there in the corner and thought, you know, I, I don't, I don't do this because I have a disease. I do this because I want to. You know, there was right. Kind right. of an honesty in me going, I just do this because I want to. But I, but I realized during that time, and something that I criticized about recovery groups. Is something that I, I see now is just it's just part of doing life. It's something the Bible teaches that you know as we confess our sins one to another, as we just do life together and just be honest with one another. I mean, it, it just starts to 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 cleanse us, so to speak, to to sanctify us. That that we're not alone, right? I mean, that's a big part of sexual addictions. We just feel like it's just us, and we're just all alone in our in our mess, isn't it? Yeah, because it's, you know, when, you, when you're looking at pornography and you're masturbating every day and, and, and your whole agenda is, is for that next so-called fix that, 
the the pornography gives you, you're all alone. You've got no friends because you're you're alone at home in the dark looking at porn all day. And, yeah, nobody um, nobody invites their friends over to look at porn, isn't that no. kind of an interesting thing too? It's not something people do in a group. I went to parties right. where there was like a porno movie playing, but there wasn't a bunch of people watching it, like an episode of of uh, uh, you know a TV show or something. Sure. Yeah, it, it kind of locks you in your own little world, right? Yeah, it locks you in your own little world, and it really distorts your thinking because that's how you think life is. You think that wow, these women or these men or these people or whoever it is, they're gonna they're gonna fulfill every single one of my sexual fantasies, mm-hmm. and the reality is is that 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 is in its own a fantasy of itself, and and it was like when the collision happened in my life, Russ, it was like wow, these this fantasy world is so different from the reality of my world. Um, that's that's how I got run over because it was like wait a second, people. Real people don't treat me the way that they're treating me in my fantasy. Right. In fact, right. a lot of these a lot of these women don't want to have anything to do with me. And, <laughs> that's, and uh, that's 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 the reality of the situation. You know, it's like, whoa, what are you talking about? You don't want to have sex with me? Come on. Yeah, I saw it in a movie. This is the way. Uh, there was a a guy on NoFap who shared a uh, a little kind of a blurb. It was his attitude towards the porn industry. He he was talking about the porn industry and how they. They changed the way he looked at femininity. They changed the way that he looked at, at relationship. You know, he's talking about how I hate you, right? porn industry. Right. Because here's, here's what I learned from, from being a porn addict was that, you know, there's a certain way that women are that they're not. Um, you're going to be satisfied with, with this and, and you're not. And it, it, it's, just, it's just a huge lie that we believe um, one of the things that that you talked about uh, was was grace and and coming to the end of yourself, right? And and that's something that I saw in Christianity. That's not with with other religions. Like in other religions, you kind of have to kind of dress yourself up, or fix yourself up, or present yourself to God. Mm-hmm. But with Christianity, Jesus does the work. It's it's kind of the opposite. It's like the 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 losers are the winners. <laughs> the people that work right, super right. hard to try and fix themselves end up, you know, uh, kind of a mess. And and I wanted to ask you about that. Like, you know, the religious people killed Jesus. I mean, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Well, mm-hmm. well, Russ, you know, I'm here to get help for my sexual addiction, and you're giving me religion. Man, I'm not giving you religion. All right, it's 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 a, it's a heart level connection with the Creator of the universe. And Dustin, you you became a, a pastor. Here's a, here's a rock and roll radio guy, raced motorcycles, worked in the TV business, had the sexual addiction over here. But how did you become? Where did you end up a pastor? How did that end up? Happening? Oh my gosh, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's only by we'll use this word again, this the grace of Almighty God. I Russ, I remember when I was real little, my grandmother asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, you know, I think I want to be either a disc jockey or a priest. <laughs> and and she said, oh, it'd be so cool. It'd be great if if we could have a priest in the family. Well, obviously <laughs> didn't go that route for for many many years. Went through the whole the the radio thing, and and now God has completely, um, what I would say, turned everything that He has taught me through my own addiction and I'll use the word sin to 
to really uh, do what you're doing, and that is to point people to healthy sexuality um, through the only one uh, who who knows us the best, and, and that would be God, that would be Jesus, because he alone is God. This whole idea of me being a pastor is is really comical. I mean, it's one of those things to where you go, Lord, how on earth can I be a pastor with all this stuff? And the reality is, uh, like you said before, Russ, you you come to the point into your life to where you don't give up, but it's a it's a more of a conscious choice to give in to what God has prepared for you, and He by by His grace He's allowing me to to be able to tell these hundreds of stories on a, a weekly basis to a lot of people on on what not to do and to learn from from these mistakes that I've made, but also to embrace what God has planned for us. Because at the end of the day, this whole, this whole pornography thing, the reason that we do it is we're looking for something that's bigger than ourselves, which is ultimately the intimacy that you were talking about and that intimacy that comes from him. Um, so, yeah, as a pastor, I, I specifically deal with men who are, uh, in bondage to sexual sin. Uh, I'm the founder of a ministry called Seven Places, and uh, with the radio show being the, the outreach of that ministry that airs out of Phoenix. Right. DustinDaniels.com is the uh, – DustinDanielsRadio.com is the, is the website for, the, uh, for your radio show. And then uh, the ministry is SevenPlaces.org, uh, right? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. What is what are seven places? What are the seven places, Dustin? Describe that for me. You know, seven places uh, on the way to the cross. Jesus was basically walking to his own death sentence, and um, once again, you kind of mentioned that you looked at different religions, Russ, and you kind of did your research there, and, and I couldn't agree more. When you look at, at the life of Jesus and this whole thing called Christianity, it's, it's a, 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 if you want to call it a religion, that man couldn't come up with by himself. Because at the end of the day, Jesus himself, through the seven places, has, um, he has paid the price for our shame and, and for our sin. So the seven places is basically the places that Jesus himself bled from on on the way to be executed. And there's a lot of uh, Old Testament imagery there, but the first place that, that Jesus bled from was his head when they put on the crown of thorns. Um, and that represents us as people who have looked at pornography and, and all the sexual stuff that we've done the blood that came from his head, it cleanses us from our thought life. So that's the first place that Jesus bled from. The second place is his back. They, they beat his back so bad. They, they, they flogged him. They, they took this whip with nails and, and sharp pieces of metal, and they, they beat him to where the, his back looked like hamburger meat. And that represents the blood flowing from us because we've all turned our back on God. Um, the third and fourth places Jesus bled from was his hands. Uh, you can just think about how many times that we've sinned with our hands, how many times that we've 
um, done things that we ought not to do. Uh, the fifth and sixth places that Jesus bled from was his feet. And once again, the blood flowing from his feet represents the places that we've walked into, that we've run into, that we should have never gone. And then lastly, the, the last place that Jesus bled from was his side. When they stuck the, the uh, sword in his side to make sure that he was dead on that right. cross. So that's that's how the ministry got its name. It's the seven places that Jesus bled from to uh, pay the, the penalty for our own sin. So we don't have to work for uh, any type of merit for Almighty God. Right. That's that's beautiful, man. And it's, you know, it's the, the shed blood of Christ, that, again, is not like any other religion, like you were saying, like man couldn't make this up. Like a lot of people say, "Oh, well, it's just this narrative," and people just kind of made it up. And and then you know, people that question the Bible, like that's always been my thing. Is is I'm a I'm a skeptic, but I'm also a skeptic to the skeptics, right? Like hear the story of hear the story of Jesus. Well, maybe he didn't die. Like I'm sorry, but you shove a spear up underneath someone's rib cage. The Bible records that water and blood came pouring out, basically rupturing his heart sack, um, the the sack around his heart and then into his heart. It, people, you just don't survive that, you know. That and it came running to Emmaus <laughs> the third on the third day, and they meet him on the on the walk to Emmaus. Like you, you're not up walking around when you. I mean, I get I get a hangnail, Dustin, and I I want to stay in bed, <laughs> much less have your feet. Uh... Stuff like that, that and you know Peter denying Christ three times. You know Jesus says, "I'm going to build the church on this guy." Like if I'm going to make up a religion, don't I leave that out? Like I'm, I'd rather leave the part out where the guy I'm building the church on denies three times. You know, uh, just a lot of stuff like that. And and you're absolutely right. Um, it's it, it's 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 an encounter. With God, isn't it? It's, it's, it is. It's a love story. I mean, it's yeah. it's this unbelievable love story that that God Himself would would send His only Son to pay this this penalty for my my own sin, my own decisions uh, to to hurt people, to do things wrong, and it, it's amazing that a lot of people ask, well. Um, there should be more ways to God. And my my thought on that is, wow, you know, I encourage you to check out those other ways. But the real question is, why would he, why would God give us one way at all? Right. I mean, isn't isn't that a better question? Why what do <laughs> what do I have to offer God? Um, and yet in his love and his mercy, he has decided to communicate in a way to give his only son to us so that we can put a faith with that name. That's very true. It's, uh, it's, it's the easiest way. I've heard somebody said that, uh, not that it's the easiest way, it's really the hardest way because, like Christianity is the most exclusive religion because it's the most inexclusive religion, right? Right. Like we don't have to, we don't we didn't do the work and that's so hard for us to understand, but that's part of defining love too, isn't it? That Christ did the work, that we aren't out for our own glory, 
but part of our story and part of our uh, uh, defining love, defining freedom is in what Jesus did on the cross. So we, we learning from Christ and having that collision in the heart, which is not just a, you know, oh, well, I just decided to, to buy this religious thing, but it's really a kind of a spiritual heart change. I've, I use that word collision because that's kind of how I, I describe it in my heart. Like I, I coming to the end of myself and realizing right. that there's more yeah. than just this depressed state. You, you talked about debilitating depression that went on for, for a year. Um, what was, what was some of that like? I've heard a lot of folks that, that struggle with sexual addiction and it's, it's kind of part of it's a learning new coping mechanism. And especially if you're trying to do it alone, you don't really know. And, and uh, what was it like to, to, to see your way out or, or what was it like to be in that place of, of depression, Dustin? You talked about that. It, I wanted to get into that a little bit. Yeah, it was. It, it's just this heaviness right, that that would not leave. It would not leave. Things never got any better, and that it was like the weight of of the world just pushing your shoulders down. And it it, it was this heaviness towards life that nothing mattered. I didn't care about anyone or anything. I mean, I, I literally spent, I was in Austin, Texas, and it was maybe about 18 months. And inside that 18 months there, I literally had, I think it was either eight or nine different jobs because I couldn't keep a job. I couldn't get up in the morning. And if by chance I could get up in the morning, then by 10 or 11, I had to go home and sleep the rest of the day. Because it was this weight that would not go, and and the and here's the sick thing: the only thing that made me feel better, Russ, was more porn. Right. And then I because that's what you're porn. used to. That's the coping mechanism, right? That's what... right. I and and I so I would do that, and then I would feel worse than what I I did before. Well, I know what would make me feel better. I'm going to look at more porn. And then I would feel right. worse. And then the cycle just, and it, it, that went on for about 18 months after all those jobs um, and just really coming to the, the end of, wow, um, you know. I, my family, unfortunately, has a history of suicide. My grandfather, he shot himself when I was very young. My dad, who was a, an alcoholic and a sex addict, he decided he was literally going to drink himself to death. And I was um, I was in my late twenties when that happened, um, and I remember I remember thinking in Austin, Texas, Russ. I was like, I, I know where the gun is. Today's going to be the day that I die because I'm just tired of it. I've got this crappy job. My life sucks. No one cares. I've got no more friends. So I, uh, I I remember going towards and getting the gun, and I, I just remember thinking to myself, and, and this is, I'll call this a God moment, I, I just remember a question that he asked me, and he said, so you, um, you're going you're gonna to carry on the family tradition, huh? You're mm. going to, and that just was like, whoa, Right. Wow. I don't. I really don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to carry on the family tradition. It's so. kind of like the moment when you see yourself becoming what you hate, right? Like yeah. I hate that about my family, and then all of a sudden, oh man, I'm I'm becoming what I dislike, what I hate. You know. So that was a that was a real um, 
eye-opening day for me to realize how far this sin had taken me. And that was that was in my early 30s, and it was shortly after that that um, that I got involved with a, a really good uh, group of friends at a church who walked me through what what life is really all about and how you how you treat people and the respect that you give people and you don't talk to people this way. I mean, and and all of that stuff came from the 20-plus years of, of looking at pornography and treating the people the way that I did. So how did uh, how did that uh, that happen? Like, uh, did you have a, a kind of a saved moment, or was it was it that moment when you really got to the end of yourself, or was it a friend who, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Was it something like that, or it was? Um, I, I had probably been attending after my second divorce. <laughs> before I was thirty, I spent the next couple years um, in a, in a church, getting plugged in, learning. Um, but I remember just one day and I was in Houston, Texas and, uh, I did some running around. Well, actually, let me back up. I, um, I went on a date to a Christian rock concert the night before Mm -hmm. and, and I, she, I was getting ready to drop her off that night and this was like our first or second date. And she said, do you want to come in? And I should have said no, but I didn't. And then we ended up sleeping together. Mm. So the very next day, talk about the heaviness again, Russ. I just was out of it, man. There was something seriously wrong with me. And I'm trying to get through the day, trying to get through the day. And I come back and from running some errands, I walk back into my one little bedroom apartment. And it was like God was just waiting for me there. I've never experienced anything like it. If you go to church, you've probably heard kind of like the story of of Paul and him getting knocked off his horse. Um, That's kind of what I equate that to. It was was literally this moment where God asked me, are you tired? And I just started crying, man. I said, tired? Yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of my life. I hate my life. I hate this. And then he asked me this, Russ. He says, Will you give it to me? Or he actually said, give it to me, uh-huh. meaning, meaning my life. And I said, right. man, you can have it because it sucks. <laughs> You're getting the raw end of this deal, let me tell you. Um, right. And that, that was that – was, and I just cried and cried and cried. And I, I remember it being still light out. The sun was still out, and I fell asleep on the floor – but I, I don't remember if it was like for 10 minutes. I don't remember if it was for two hours. But I remember waking up and being completely exhausted. And then even with my clothes on, I just went straight to bed. I slept for 12 or 14 hours. I woke up for work the next day. And that's, that's where I really started to begin to understand how, how where I was um, right. compared to the holiness and the purity of God. Right. Wow. That's that's awesome. What about the girl? Did you ever see her again or No, I we broke that off. Um yeah. it just was was not a none of my relationships were were healthy, Russ. I mean, it was yeah. it was only for one thing. Right, right. Yeah. Seeking after uh and that's that's kind of the world's message, isn't it? Is that and I think that's something that that's in us every single one of us is that we're constantly looking for for freedom. You know, the the world is going to define freedom as you get to do what you want. And we grew up in this country where we have a lot of freedom, 
but there's also a lot of things to get tangled up in. And, you know, how, how we define freedom is, is incredibly important. And, and where we go for love, it's kind of like in, I used in the podcast, and, and I've done some, some YouTube stuff on this in, in coaching. Um, the Bible has this, uh, this metaphor. It's not really a metaphor. It, it really is true. It's a spiritual thing. We're very spiritual people, and, and we worship like that's what I'm doing is I'm worshiping. It's kind of like you were you were describing your story. I was hearing that, like we we, we dedicate our lives, we sacrifice, we give money away, we spend time to to worship something. That's what we do. It's kind of what we're made to do, isn't it? It, it is, and I, I'm reminded of uh, of your pastor, Pastor Mark, who told this wonderful story. He was here in Phoenix a couple of years ago. And I was like, dude, have you been reading my journal? Because you're telling my story right now. But he literally said, you know, uh, and I think he used the analogy of a football uh, stadium. I'm going to use the analogy of a strip club. So what I used to do is I would go into a strip club. I would literally worship these women. I would stand up. I would give them my money and, and spend all this time there. And I would worship this person, this this created person, instead of worshiping the Creator. And I and I look at that back now, and I go, man, that was my church for for many many years. I would go there, I would I would give money, I would spend time, I would worship this person for for um, this this idea of of her thinking. I would actually think that she liked me. Right. I got valid. I got validation from that. And um, once again, just being a kind of a false, a false religion there, false thinking. Um, but yeah, that that was a, a big revelation as well. Right. Yeah. The the kind of the trap that that gets us into keeping us stuck and and locking us into to death. You know, like like ultimately, like you got right up close in, and it's, as well did I. And I pray that listeners can learn from our story before they get to that place. Oh yes, you're please. so to the to the end of yourself that it's like I'd rather you know die. I don't feel anything anymore. I have any friends, and that's where life can come in. It, it's strange how God works that out, but sometimes we have to totally get to the end of ourselves to to really define what love is and to learn that from God and to have Him meet us. You know, it's not that you have to get to that place, but it's really to, to wake up and maybe investigate some of this, that maybe this very old story. When I first started doing the podcast, Dustin, like eight years ago, like people I got a few emails like, this is a cool new way of doing recovery. I said, I'm like, dude, it's not. It's old. It's very, very old, reformed, you know, Lutheran kind of Christianity. That's what it is. It's not. It's not new at all. Right, right. Yeah, man, it's it's real, and and your story is awesome. Um, Where can uh, folks learn more about you? You're on the radio, like actual radio, not just podcast, but you do radio in uh, in Phoenix, right? Yeah, the the it's uh, KTXQ thirteen sixty AM is where the uh, the show airs out of in Phoenix. And if they want to listen to the show, they can go to DustinDanielsRadio.com. They can meet all the guests there. Uh, we actually, it's a new website. You can uh, meet the guests, read the bios, see pictures. You can um, order materials, their materials, if you want to learn about 
sexual integrity, about pornography addiction. Um, and then the ministry uh, itself is sevenplaces.org. Spell out the number seven there. And what that is, it's just it's a it's a community of men here in Phoenix that come on a on a weekly basis to pursue God's purity, and we do that pretty much within the context of a small group. That's awesome, and just having the same struggle and and just pouring that out with a bunch of other guys, and yeah, that stuff is is really powerful as well face to face heart to heart like it's cool like the purity report.com is a, is a cool online community the no fap um that stuff is great but there's something uh, i don't know there's something powerful about being eye to eye and face to face you see the nonverbals. you you talk to someone i mean they're an actual person right i, I don't know there's something about that isn't there dustin being with <laughs> other people that right there, Russ, is the key to, to being healed. It is, Scripture would say it this way in James 5.16, confess your sins to one another so that these men can pray for you. Well, why do we want to do that? So that you can be healed. There's a, a lot of people that go to church on a weekly basis and they keep confessing their sins to God, which is something that we want to do in 1 John 1, nine, And that means that we're forgiven if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. But the other half of that is exactly what you just said, is that you, you get with a community of guys and you do life together so that these guys can, can come around you and pray for you and shoulder this burden so you're not out there um, trying to do life on your own because it, it can't be done alone. I mean, over and over, from my story personally to you know the hundreds of, of guys that I've, I've talked to here in Phoenix, They've got all one thing in common, and that is at first they tried to do it alone because they were just too embarrassed to have a conversation um, with someone in person. Right. That's true. It's starting to lose its its stigma today a little more, but at the same time, it it is embarrassing. It's not something that you you just talk about over dinner. It's not something like you share. Like somebody who says they're an alcoholic, is a lot more socially accepted, right, than the guy who says, yeah, I'm, I'm a sex addict or I struggle with Oh, my gosh. I was thinking about that the other day, Russ. I was like, wow. You know, it's 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 almost, you know, to to, to stand up in front of a group of people, in, in, uh, especially in like a church or even on the radio, to say, you know, I'm an alcoholic, I went through AA or a drug addict, da 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 But when you say that you're a sex addict, that that is, there's a sense of, of shame there that gets everybody because everybody at some level has some uh, some type of sexual brokenness and it, it right. just it, it stirs something within the depths of our soul that ooh what what does that even mean that that that's just kind of it's kind of weird I'm not sure how to respond to that um, and yet at the same time there are so many men and women that are struggling with this who who um, are too embarrassed to, to ask one person for a cup of coffee or just hang out to go, look, I've got this problem. I need some help. What do you think? Right. And that's important. <laughs> it's important to, to realize. There's something about Christianity, too, and you were talking about Catholic, and 
I was listening to a, a guy's story who grew up Catholic, and there's that thing in religion that we have to be good enough for God, and, and there's no blessed assurance. I was chatting with a guy on NoFap who, who didn't totally understand Christianity, even though he was getting a Ph.D. in world religion. And he thought that, you know, <laughs> well, if you masturbate, you must be going to hell. Like, dude, the gospel says, and this is something Pastor Mark at my church says a lot. He says that if Christianity were a Western, Jesus would be the only cat with a white hat. The rest of us <laughs> all have black hats. You know? uh, we, yeah. we come to God. It's not that we're... You know, we're all we're all broken. We're all you know busted. We're all bad, so to speak. Jesus is the only one that's good, and He's the one that that cleanses us. So we come to the cross. We come to, like you were saying in your story, that that we meet Him in our brokenness, and He's the one that does the work and and, and you know gets in and starts to work on us from the inside out. I remember going to my pastor at the time when I was struggling with this, Dustin, and, and I kept I kept bringing the Bible to him and telling him how it's full of lies and fairy tales and, you know, just really... I, I went to see a Christian counselor because I didn't have the money to get a real counselor. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and, I, and I kept saying that to him, and I kept saying, you know, how am I supposed to do this? And he said, he said, Russ, it's not something you do. He says, it's something that gets in you from the inside and works its way out. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a a cognitive do this work right so you can get god to love you that's backwards yeah um, it's a it's a paradox it's the harder that you try the more you're just strangling yourself with this issue right the more you, you know, try to, i heard a guy say that it's like it's like quicksand the more you struggle all by yourself the farther you sink right absolutely yep that's a good yeah. analogy. Well, hey, man, I want to give you uh, the last word. Any closing thoughts on uh, on someone who who's listening right now that may may be thinking, you know, uh, this Jesus stuff and the spiritual stuff, and they they don't like that, but they know that the, this thing has a bigger ownership of their their spirit, right, their life than than the they want to know, right? I mean, there are people that are struggling. Dustin, what would you say to the guy who's at the end of himself, who who may be feeling depressed, um, suicidal even? What, mm-hmm. what would you say to that guy, the guy who's who's there um, that could speak into into that dude's life if he's listening right now? Yeah, you know, I uh, I, I want to encourage you if you're there at that point, if you're. If you're listening to this podcast in your in your home, in your apartment, in your car, and you're driving, and you think life sucks, and you're at the point to where you would like to just blow your brains out and get it over with, let me encourage you that, that I've been there and that there is a wonderful person, and his name is Jesus, and he can love you, he does love you, more than you can imagine. And no matter how weird that may sound, I would encourage you just to take a, a, a step forward in embracing that and getting with someone who can, just one person, one person can change your life on this thing. And it's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to be a slow, beautiful disaster. Because what, what happens is you get to realize, wow, this is where I am. This is how far I've gone in this sexual stuff. And yet there's, 
There is a God. He has done everything that there is to do. And now he's inviting me in to walk with him a little bit. And the uh, the only way to do that is to um, get with someone that you trust and start small and walk slow. And um, there, there's no hurry in this. There's no judgment in this. All of those questions that you've got about Jesus and religion and God, believe me, I've had them, Russ has had them, and... Um, I just want you to hear that you are dearly loved and that you you can't do this by yourself, and I want to encourage you to at least contact one person. Right. Just reach out. Pray. Um, find a Bible-believing church. I have some lists of churches on my website that I, I haven't interviewed personally, but I, I trust to some degree um, nationwide, worldwide, but you know, even the neighborhood church, there, there, there's folks. I mean, it, it's really hard, man. I wish I could just send you to any church, but sadly, there are a lot of religious people, especially in this country, that don't understand the gospel. But there's also a lot of people that do, and that really right. know Jesus, and that have a relationship with Him, and that aren't, you know, pointy finger judgmental. Um, but that actually love people because they've had that same collision happen in their hearts. So, yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you're, if you're a guy that's been a Christian and has gone to church and, and is pursuing this and maybe you're serving, maybe you're plugged in and you're, you're walking this thing out, but you've got your secret. Right. I want to encourage you as well. This is this is this is the time that the game stops because God has God has given if you've been dealing with this sin in your life and you've been wrestling with this more than three to five years, it's time to get serious. And I, I want to tell you as your brother, man, lay down your pride and let's embrace embrace what God's got right in front of you. If you are plugged into a church then then let's take that that opportunity to uh, to get real about it because yes you you can continue to confess this all day long but unless you confess it to a brother and get plugged into a community you are a forgiven guy but you're not healed and um I just want to welcome you to embrace that healing because it's, Bringing it is out in the light that's that's one of the first mm-hmm things for me of, of really embracing faith is that, you know, the Bible says, bring, bring it out into the light. Live in the light as he is in the light. And, and what, it's like uh, my friend John Glisson with the porntopurity.com, he, he, he says, uh, you know, the, the sexual sin, these kinds of sins, these secret stubborn sins are like mold and they grow best in the dark. And that's part of this confession. That's part of being in community. That's part of exposing that thing to the light. And, and as it's exposed to the light, it's, it has no choice but to die, right? Right. Yep, absolutely. Thanks again for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you, Russ. Love you, brother. Thank you for what you're doing. You bet. You too. I want to do it to to end this show with with some prayer. I just feel led to do that. Um as the as the pastor Dustin, I want to kind of give you the reins to to close this thing out in prayer. That might be weird for some folks, but I feel like maybe we should talk to God as we close this thing out. 
Absolutely. Father, we are, are coming to you as broken men, Russ and I, and you've given us this unbelievable technology. You've given us um, the experience of our own sinfulness, and you've given us the grace of your son Jesus to conduct podcasts and radio shows and websites to proclaim your purity. And, and Father, I want to pray for the guys who, do, who are just listening for the first time, who, are, who don't know, who um, don't know about your son, Jesus, and for them to embrace all of their questions, because if they embrace all of, their, all of your questions, you will bring them to, to the truth of who, who you are. I want to pray for the men who, uh, who have accepted you, who go to church, and who are still struggling and dealing with the shame of pornography, who don't want to tell anybody, who think that they can fix this themselves, I want to encourage them to get real, to get real uh, with you as well. Lord, we know that we can do nothing without you. You're the vine. We're the branches. Um, You have given us your word. It's a love story of of how much you care for us. And it it seems like it's too good to be true, that you would actually love us for who we are, and we don't have to do a stinking thing. But, Lord, please soften our hearts. Please allow us to take a step closer to you today. Please allow us to confess our our attitudes and our, our pornography use and our sins to someone else and, and plug us into what you're doing. Allow that to happen. Um, allow, allow that collision to happen in our lives so, so that we can get right with you and that we can proclaim your purity and tell other people our story because of what you've done in our life. Lord, I, I pray for Russ and this podcast that he continues to, to glorify you and that you would continue to bless him and his ministry. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Dustin, for being on the podcast. Oh, I just want to say thanks again, man. It's, it's been an honor to be on your program. Thank you so much. Yes, that's the interview, Dustin Daniels. Again, God is after you, all right? If you're still listening to my voice right now, you haven't turned this thing off. We're in, what, an hour, right? Like, you're curious and intrigued about this God stuff for a reason, right? Jesus is real. This is real heart change stuff, all right? Maybe it's time to get in a quiet place and and, and do some business with God. Talk to him. Submit your life to him. Buy a Bible, all right? Send me an email, russ at asi247.org. I'll send you a Bible, all right? I'm not just a blind faith guy. I was chatting with a, a guy earlier this week who was struggling with this concept of God and saying, I would just like to see some kind of evidence. And I said, dude, it's 2014, all right? 
that was Jesus's impact on the world was so great that we actually started the calendar on him. Love, the creator of the universe, put on human flesh, walked among us and invites us into relationship with him. And it's no accident that you're listening today. And for some of you religious cats listening, you got to be more mindful of the engine of your vehicle, the heart rather than the shiny paint job and the polished rims. And listen, that love will collide with your heart if you let it. And if you stop obeying all the normative rut rules of the road that you've been comfortably used to for so long. I love you guys more than you know. Keep me in your prayers. I'm praying for you. Until next time. This is a band called Dismas. Redemption. Passion. Glory. Bye. This is redemption.